Well, you guys ready to get in the word this evening? We're in a series, we're talking about the life of God. And you know, the life of God is, is such a gigantic subject, it's exploding in my heart. There's not, you just don't hear a lot of teaching on the life of God, and yet in the life of Jesus, in the early church and in the church today, it's the most necessary thing. We have to know, and we've been talking about how to walk in the life of God. I want to start talking tonight about the power of God's life in you. The power of God's life in you. See, you're human, but you're not only human, right? You're a child of God. You are a spirit. And your spirit is literally made in the image and likeness of God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit put a brand new spirit in you. You became a new species, a new creation in Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. As it goes into the next verse, it says, and all things are of God. You're of God. You're his child. Well, the Holy Spirit, God had to make you a new spirit, and then the Holy Spirit of God took up residency in you. And literally, you were given and made and created in Christ with the same life that God has. And then the Holy Spirit shed the love of God abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, so now you could love like God loves. And now... As we speak his word, you, you have a measure of the faith of God, and you could increase that as you act and become a doer of the word. But the life of God is to work in and through your life. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about that. So open your Bibles to John chapter 5. Let's just jump off here. We've been, we've been going here almost every service. John chapter 5, verse 26. Hallelujah. I believe this is week 4. In this series, we're going to get into a lot of awesome things. We must be conscious of who we are in Christ as we walk through our life. Because God has got an incredible plan for your life. He, his plan is for you to yield all of your fruit in your season. And our life is like a vapor. I mean, we're down here for such a short time. But while we're here, we're to live long, we're to live strong, and we're to live a miraculous life. Hallelujah. The Bible says this, for as the Father, talking about the Father God, has life in himself, he hath given to the Son to have life in himself. You know, it's interesting when the angel appeared to Mary and said, listen, you're going to conceive and your, your child is going to be the son of the Most High. And she's like, well, how is that going to happen? I, I don't know a man. Or in other words, she was a virgin. And see, for Jesus to be born into the world... He had, to, he had to be a sinless sacrifice. He could not be born of the seed of a fallen man or he would have the same spiritual death 
and sin nature that we have and he wouldn't be able to redeem us. But then the angel answered her question. See, religion says that God doesn't answer questions, which is hilarious because he is Jehovah. He's the one, he's the self-existent one. He, he loves to answer questions. That's who he is. So what, she, what the angel said to Mary was, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the, the shadow of the Almighty will overshadow you. This is how it's going to happen. And so Jesus, as he was born, it says right here, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, verse 4, was life. The Spirit of God came upon Mary and what was conceived in her, the source of Jesus' life, was the Holy Spirit. He was, a he was the Son of God, right? Guess what the source of your life is as a born-again believer? The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, makes you a brand new creature. The source of your life is the life of God. Isn't that amazing? It says, in him was life, and the life was the light or the development of men. Then if you jump down to verse 14, it, it tells us who this word is. And the word, what does it say? Was made flesh. It's a little vague in English. Literally in the Greek it would say, and the word took upon himself flesh. Jesus, see, when... When, when we're right now, you know, during the Christmas season, you got a little baby in a manger. Listen, Jesus was not born out of humanity. He existed way before. He's the creator. I think that's amazing that God was laying in a manger. The God who created the planet was laying in a manger. He came into humanity, not out of humanity. Right? So now, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John, John beheld him. It says, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Now, this is kind of a side journey that'll fit really well in this, in this series. When you, you gotta realize that Jesus and the word are the same. Now, when I say that, you're like, well, okay, of course. No, 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 you really have to have a revelation of this. Jesus and his word are the same. Not kind of the same, exactly the same. When you and I are acting on the word of God, we are acting in line with what Jesus did with what Jesus does, and also what Jesus would have us do. So when you act on the word, you're acting basically just like Jesus. 
right? You got to understand everything you do as a believer, you are to be Jesus in your world. That's why you and I are here, right? When we confess the word, we are making a confession of Jesus. This is why Satan hates confession. He'll get people to ridicule the people who even talk about confessing. Oh, you're one of those Haganites. You're one of those Copelandites. No, I'm not. I'm a Jesusite, right? This is the word of faith which we preach. That's the gospel Paul preached. He was given that by Jesus himself. When you confess the word, what you're saying, when you say this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What you are doing, what you're saying is, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And therefore, I am acting on the words he has given me. When you say, I believe that I'm healed in Jesus' name, what you're saying, you're confessing that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Son of God. And I'm just simply acting on his word, which is him. We have to get a revelation of that to walk in the life of God. Satan hates this because when a believer gets revelation knowledge that Jesus and his word are one and he lives that in his life, Satan hates it because what it does, it causes Satan to walk in his defeat. He is defeated. But when a believer knows... See, when you know Jesus and his word are one, that you can't separate Jesus from his word, and you start acting on his word, and you start saying, you know what? All things are possible to me because I believe God. I am strong in him and in the power of his might. Satan is done. He's already been defeated, but now you're going to make him walk in his defeat in your life. Amen? And just hearing that, doesn't that, something goes off on the inside of you and says, yeah, he's under my feet. You have no authority in my life. When I bind you in the name of Jesus, Satan, you are bound. You can't separate God from his word, right? When you get a revelation of this, and I, I'm going to keep talking about a revelation, because here I'm going to tell you the end of this story, to walk in the power of God's life in you, you must have a revelation of his life. You have to. And that only comes by the Holy Spirit giving you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your understanding, you know in that Ephesians prayer, that word understanding means the eyes of your spirit would be flooded with light so that you can know three things. The hope of his calling. That is God's specific plan for your life. Not just, now we, we also know his general plan. That, that healing's ours, that we're to walk in peace and strength, you know, prosperity, all this stuff, but also his specific plan. 
you must, be, you must see his specific plan. Now, you won't see the whole thing. You'll see the next step. And as you take that step, then you'll see the next step. What will show you that? Jesus will, right? His word, which is him, is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, right? But it also will tell you the incredible inheritance that you've been given. You have to have revelation or you won't know it. There's a lot of Christians that hear the word of God like this all the time. And they're like, I know God wants to be blessed. I know God wants me healed. I know God wants me at peace. But it's only here. It's never, they've never got revelation knowledge of it, so they're not walking in any of it. Well, those days are over. We can't play church, right? You're gonna see in your life God is first. It's the way that he created everything. You're made to put him first because that is where you experience his life. Oh, you don't miss anything putting him first. And then you walk out your life preferring others before you. Start doing that and see how you enjoy life. Life stinks when you're all about you. Right? We're, why is that? Because we're just not made to live that way. Also, it goes on in that Ephesians prayer, and this is the thing. It, it, it's so that we would know the incredible power that is to usward who believe. What is, it, it, it explains that power. We'll probably look at that scripture maybe if we have time tonight in Ephesians 1. That power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. What happened to Jesus when he came out of the grave? The very life of God literally healed his body so that he could live. That's the life of God came in him. This scripture reveals Paul said, man, I've been beaten, I've been stoned, I've been shipwrecked, I've been jailed, all of these things, but there's something that comes upon me that's much greater, and it comes upon me every day, and that is his concern for all these churches that he planted. And God gave him this prayer to pray. He prayed this prayer all the time that these believers in all of these churches that he started, would know. They would have a revelation knowledge of the life of God in their spirit. Because it's the life of God that Jesus did every miracle by. It's the life of God that, that literally, it's, it's literally what happens, it's what we do, it's how we live. The reason why we're not seeing miracles in the church is because we don't know we're righteous. We don't have a revelation knowledge of our identity. We don't know much about the life of God. Well, those days are over, right? We're gonna get in the word and learn these things. Satan fights the believer's confession because Jesus and his word are one. When you confess the word of God, in every arena, you are saying that Jesus, you are Lord. When you say, my God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory, you are saying, Jesus, you are Lord. When you're saying, by his stripes, I'm healed, you're saying, Jesus, you're Lord. 
right? Every time you confess the word, you are saying, Jesus, you are Lord. Every time you confess what you see in the natural and what Satan is prompting you through feelings and emotions and circumstances, every time you talk that junk, you are saying, Jesus, you're not Lord. That's how serious that is. It's black and white. It's as simple as it goes. When you confess the word, you're confessing Jesus. So as the father has life in himself, now he's given the son to have life in himself. Now in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then he says this, but I am come, why? That they, talking about us, might have life. Zoe, the eternal life of God. The essence of the life, the essence of the quality of life that God has. Isn't that amazing? And that they might have it more abundantly. This, mean, this word more abundantly means an overflowing life, but what Jesus is saying here, that there is no limit to the quality of life and what the life of God can produce. In your life. He's saying, I've come to give you life more abundantly. No, a life with no limits. There is no limit to what the, the life of God can do to impact the quality of your life. And, and, and not only impact the quality, but what it can produce in your life. This word, zoe, talks about the quality of life. See, the enemy throws something. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. Things may happen in your life where you're like, man, this is not fair. You know, why me? But I'm here to tell you, none of that catches God off guard. Jesus came so that you would have the quality of life that the Father has. Do you know tonight, the Father is not stressed. Right? He's not stressed at all about everything that's going on in the world. He already knows the end of that story. The enemy of mankind has already been stripped and defeated. And oh, I believe that in, in his, his whole countenance is full of the belief that his body, the church, is going to wake up and rise up and be who he's made them to be in this earth. And guys, it'll be a rest. We'll just watch God work. Jesus is saying, there is no limit to the life I came to bring you and what that life can produce. Guys, this is why in the word of God it says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. It's not even entered into the mind of man the incredible things that God has prepared for those that love him. You can't see the plan with your mind at all. It's the word of God. You have to get a revelation of Jesus to see it. And many believers, see, we read eternal life. We read John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God. But yet we fill our schedules with everything but God. And we wonder why we don't know who he is. We don't know who we are. Amen. I'm here to tell you, you're a world overcomer. And you're not, you don't develop all the power that's in you. Literally, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you right now. And it can produce 
unlimited quality of life, right? John chapter three, jump over there real quick. John chapter three in verse one, uh, he's, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. In John 3, one, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. How do we know that? For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now, if you go ahead and read, keep reading in that chapter, we won't take the time tonight, but Jesus responds to him and starts talking. He doesn't, he doesn't go, well, you know, Nicodemus, you know, I'm, I'm the son of God. And that's why I can do these miracles because, you know, I'm one of a kind. No, Jesus didn't say that, did he? Jesus started explaining to him, he started talking to him literally about spiritual life, how that any man can have this life. It's real interesting. Jesus always talked about receiving the eternal life of God. So jump over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 1 tonight. In Romans chapter 8, in this great letter of Paul to the Gentile Christians in Rome, this chapter 8 is the victory chapter. And this chapter reveals exactly what we're talking about. So we're going to look at some of these verses. Romans 8, 1. You guys doing okay? I have so much in me, I just need to just kind of, if I explode, just know it was a fun ride, right? If I get raptured, just know I love you, you know, and, and uh, I'm really glad where I'm at, right? Yeah, Jeanette's going, I'm going with you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says now, now it talks about, there is therefore now, what do you mean now, Jesus? What do you mean now, Holy Spirit? There is therefore now, now that Jesus has come out of the grave, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation. There's no penalty. There is no damnatory sentence. There is no verdict. There's no passing of a sentence and judgment against someone. Now that Jesus has come out of the grave, there is no condemnation. You cannot be put under condemnation as a child of God. There isn't any. The Bible says in other parts in the epistles, it says you are unaccusable. You're unashamable. You can't be shamed. You can't be accused because of who you are. To them which are in Christ Jesus. Now then, this statement here is real confusing. The reason why is the translators put it in here. In all the sound manuscripts, all the most credible manuscripts, this phrase, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit is not in verse 1. 
It's only found in verse 4, and it fits there. The, translated ad, the translators added this here. Why? Because they could not accept that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ without works. Any translation, and this is why I love the King James translation, because it's literally, it's not like all the others that are phrase by phrase. It's word for word. So you could look at the Greek words now with the tools you have today. It's awesome. Because you could, you could really see it, right? So, so it, the translators added it because they were under this whole works thing. Any translation is only as good as the, the translator's knowledge of the language, which their, their knowledge of the language is awesome, but it also is their knowledge of God. You know, this is why the King James translators in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, it says, God hath made man a little lower than the angels. Because the translator freaked out when he looked at the Hebrew word Elohim, because that's the word for God. And in his mind, he's like, there's no way that God made man a little lower than God. So he changed it to angels. That's why that makes no sense, right? When you know the Greek or the, when you know the Hebrew in this case. See, we know this. The translated, added, they added this here. But in verse 1, it speaks of positional truth. Positionally, you and I are in Christ. If you ever see in him, in Christ, that's positional truth. Right now, what I mean by that is positionally tonight, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. Temporally, I'm standing here on the earth at Faith Family Church in front of you. That's the temporal truth in my life. But positionally, I'm in Christ. When I pray, I don't pray from where I am on the earth. I pray from where I am in heaven. I don't, I don't pray that, that God's will just come down to me. No, 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 I pray from a heavenly position. So like right now, you know, the body of Christ, we're standing. We're believing God that, that, that this election, the electoral process, will be maintained in this country. And if there was anything wrong, that it will be overturned. We're believing God. This is not just about a candidate. We're believing God for him to come heal our land. We're believing God for righteousness to reign. And we're not moved by a man. We're moved by him. Because whoever's in the office, I'm still going to increase. I'm still going to prosper. I'm still going to be strong in the Lord. Right? It's not about that. But we're not going to allow Satan to steal our country. And, and we have to be that way because we're the only ones with authority, Amen. right? See, verse 1 speaks of positional truth. The last statement in verse 1 is temporal truth. Who walk not speaks of temporal truth. That's why it just jumps out at you when you know the two. Now, as we go through Romans chapter 8, you'll see in verse 4, it completely fits, Right? Because you're going to find out in these verses what it means to be in Christ. And being in Christ has nothing to do with how you're walking. 
Because if you think being in Christ has to do with how you're walking, I guess the question would be, so how many of you today, let's, have, let's see who won. How many of you jumped in and out of Christ because of your lifestyle and behavior today? You kick the cat, bam, you're not in Christ, right? You ask for forgiveness, oh, okay, now you're in Christ. What a wheel that is, right? So that's just not the way it is. This is saying, though, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that the law of sin and death could never be broken by behavior. You have to know that. That's the context here. Our behavior could never break the law of sin and death that was over our life. And guys, the law of sin and death has been broken over your life. Tonight, right now, it's broken over your life. If you're walking, if there's anything that's causing death in your life, it doesn't have a legal right, and you could get it out of your life. This is so important that you know this. You know, Colossians chapter 3, stay in Romans, but Colossians chapter 3, in verse 9 and 10, it says this. Lie not to, one, to another, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Do you know you're created in his image? When Jesus said, listen, see, Jesus, literally when he came to the earth, that's why he can say he was the express image of the Father. Because God never changes. Jesus said to Philip, when he asked him, hey, show me the Father, Jesus, and it'll be enough for me. And he's like, Philip, have you been with me for so long? And you're asking me to show you the Father? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God's will for your life is when you walk around, you say, listen, if you want to know how Jesus loves you, just look at the way I love you. If you want to see Jesus just watch my life and follow me as I'm following Christ. And by the way, I'm human, so if I'm ever not following Christ, don't follow me. Does that make sense? So this is a huge thing. The blood of Jesus made you and I worthy. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we need to define what it means to be in Christ Jesus. And, and the word of God will define that. It goes on in verse two and it says, for the law, this is a spiritual law, the law of the spirit of life, the spirit of Zoe life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It doesn't say will make me free, it says it's already made me free. The law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death as a believer. That's right where you are tonight. You literally have a position of authority where you can change as you speak the word of God. You could change everything in your life. Isn't that amazing? Guess, it, it says here, the law of the spirit of life, it's in Christ Jesus. Isn't that cool? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And oh, by the way, we talked about this, but you were created 
in Christ Jesus. And oh, by the way, all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yes, and in Christ Jesus, amen, or so be it unto me. Everything is in Christ, and you're in him. You have his life, the very life of God. Nothing is to dominate you in the earth. In other words, the law that brought me into salvation makes me free from the law of sin and death. See, when I got saved, the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, made me brand new. When the life of God made me a new spirit and filled me with the life of God, and now I am completely free from the law of sin and death. I was four and a half years old. Everything that I messed up in my life, every decision that I made that was wrong, I didn't have to make it. I'm so thankful for the end of chapter 11 of Proverbs because it says the righteous are to be repaid while they're in the earth. Satan is in debt to me. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to enforce that he gives everything back that he stole from me. How about you? Amen? No condemnation now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. That's what it means to be in Christ. We're going to see that. The minute you said, Jesus, you are my Lord. I invite you to be Lord of my life. He came in and made you brand new. And his spirit literally took up residency in you. Now it's going to be amazing when we're in heaven and we're walking. And the Holy Spirit, we're just walking. He's walking right beside us and we see him. And we're going, this is really cool because you're, you're right beside me. You're right, or not beside me, but face to face. Or he likes to be beside you. He comes alongside all the time, right? But you'll be going, wow, this is really cool because you're beside me, but you're also in me. I know you're in me. The Bible says he's going to be in you forever. Why? Forever signifying that you're in Christ. Chapter 8 is the victory chapter because it's all about the Holy Spirit in the believer. That's why it's the victory chapter. Listen, tonight I've got great news for you. You're a world overcomer because the Holy Spirit is in you. If you have sickness in your body, healing is already yours because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. Wow. What happened? See, what happened when Jesus was baptized? The Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. So does this mean there's four parts to the Trinity? You have the Holy Spirit descending. You have the Father speaking. This is my beloved Son. You have Jesus. But see, Jesus already had the life of God in him. Right? So the baptism, when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's just like us. We have the Holy Spirit in us already as a believer. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's just another portion of him that brings supernatural power into our life. 
The law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. See, the law of sin and death, that is where fear comes from. That's what opens the door for Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. And you and I have been redeemed and made free from it. The Bible says in John chapter 8, whoever the Son has made free is indeed free. Not going to be right now, tonight. The question is, though, do you believe it? To answer that question, you've got to ask yourself, do I see it in the Word? Because if you don't see it, you can't believe it. Right? If you don't see it, you just think it might be right. But the first time you get bumped, you'll realize, oh, I must not see it because that moved me back. But I'm telling you, when you see it and you get bumped, you don't move back, you move forward. And he bumps you harder and you move forward. And all of a sudden, when you, you know, all of a sudden, you count it all joy when these various trials and temptations and pressures that are surrounding you count it all joy when you encounter these. Why? Because you know that as your faith is tested, it produces patience, which is already on the inside of you. And then you just allow patience while you're in fullness of joy to have its perfect work because that's where you're, you're entire and whole and you're wanting nothing. You want nothing because you know you already have everything. This is right where we're at. So Romans chapter 8, verse 3, I love this one. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. See, no flesh could keep the law. Right? God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He, it has to say the likeness because he did not have sin in his flesh. He just looked like us. But he had the nature of God. He was sinless. Right? In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, literally in the Greek it would read, as a substitute for sin, Jesus condemned, or I'm sorry, God the Father condemns sin in the flesh of Jesus. When Jesus hung on that cross, God the Father condemned all of your sin. Every sin you've committed in your past, present, everything you'll ever, your behavior in the future, everything was condemned once and for all. That word condemned is a once and for all judgment and sentence and verdict. Can never be reopened, right? You're unaccusable. Everything that could bring death in your life has no legal right in your life anywhere because the life of God, the power of God's life in you, it makes you walk in freedom, peace, and rest. This is so important that we see this. See, condemnation is on sin. It is not on you. Once we receive salvation, there's no more condemnation. Even, now this will tilt you, even if we allow our sin nature that is in our flesh to dominate us. It doesn't change the fact that you're still righteous. And when you get a revelation of that, that is when you'll walk free from the sin and you'll live holy before God. Why is there so much sin in the church? 
Why, is, why, why does the church, the world doesn't even know the difference between the church and the world? Right? They don't know because we don't have a revelation that we're righteous. So that's why we're living just like the world. But when you get a revelation of who you are and what he's done and who you are in him, that's what empowers you to walk free. Man, the Judaizers, they would come behind Paul. They hated Paul. They're like, listen, okay, you could receive this Jesus, but you still have to be circumcised. You still have to keep the law. You know, and, and this, that Paul guy, listen, don't listen to him because he's just given everybody a license to sin. Right? And you've heard me say that before. Listen, none of us need a license to sin. All we got to do to sin, to have sinful behavior in our life, all we have to do is nothing. Just let our flesh have its way. But if we renew our mind with the word of God, now, our, and we feed our spirit as we're doing that, our spirit and our renewed mind will keep that, that flesh, it'll keep it on that, on that altar. We'll present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Right? And this is, this is how we walk free. Verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. It says might because the decision, it's up to us to decide whether the righteousness of the law is going to be fulfilled in us or not. It's up to us to decide. Am I going to give in to my feelings and emotions and say just what I feel, or am I going to speak the word? Am I going to do what I feel, or am I going to do what the word says? If I do what the word says, if I speak the word, the righteousness of the law will be fulfilled in me. Right? Who, and now see, right here, it fits. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, that's where it fits, not in verse one. So the purpose of the law was to reveal sin. The righteousness of the law can be fulfilled in our earthly walk if we walk after the Spirit, right? This is everything. How do I walk in the power of God's life in me? I've got to walk and live out of my Spirit. I have to. You choose to allow your mind to side with your Spirit, and this is how the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in you and I. It's that simple. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the flesh do mind, or pay it, that word mind means they pay attention to the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit. Now notice here in this verse, this, the word spirit is capitalized in the King James Version, which is basically is saying that this is talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your spirit, right? But they that are after the spirit, the human spirit, it's talking about living out of your spirit the things of the spirit. So keep in mind, this will make total sense as we go. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In other words, if your works are motivated by your flesh, 
they'll produce death. The Bible calls that wood, hay, and stubble, right? If your works are motivated by your spirit, they'll produce life and peace. The Bible defines that as gold and precious stones. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. See, spiritual death, that mind of your flesh, we don't have the fullness of our salvation yet. We just have the first fruits. My spirit was made brand new. And then God told me, Tony, you renew your mind and you're going to have to present your body because you don't have a glorified body yet. And that, that nature is still in that flesh. It's in the mind of your flesh, the unrenewed mind. It wants to do crazy things. It, it, it wants to hate and it wants to get back at people and it wants to do all this stuff that will only produce death in your life. There was it Joyce Meyer that says, walking in unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping your enemy will die. Have you ever noticed the people that have done you wrong? They don't, they're not even thinking about you. Do you know there's people that walk in? No, that's great. There's people that walk, that walk in so much bondage, and these people that hurt them don't even think about them. Right? So, so this is why, how do we get out of that? We start living out of our spirit. It says, it says in Romans 8.8, 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Interesting. So let's keep going with this thought. But look at what Paul said in verse 9. Now we're going to see why that word spirit should not have been capitalized. But he says, but guys, Romans, faith family church, but you are not in the flesh. But you are in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you. So how many of you have the Holy Spirit in you tonight? Anybody? anybody? Okay. I'm seeing pretty much... You know, I think that, yeah, yeah, I think we got 100%, right? Yeah. So can we all say if the Holy Spirit lives in you according to the word of God, can you say then that you're in the spirit? Can you say that? So say that with me. I am in the spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Right? But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Wow. So, if, so then you would agree with me tonight that you're in the spirit. Say this with me. I'm not in the flesh. Say that again. I'm not in the flesh. Do you know you need to hear yourself say that? You know when you need to hear it the most? When your behavior is telling you something different. When you just said something you shouldn't have said or did something you shouldn't have done or looked at something you shouldn't have looked at or what didn't do something you should have done, that's when you need to say, no, I am not in the flesh. I am in the spirit because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in me. 
Another way to say that is the life of God dwells in me. You could actually say it this way, the life of God dwells in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? It says, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So when Paul speaks of being in the flesh or in the Spirit, in this whole context, he is talking about people being either born-again believers or people not. But the church has read the book of Romans for years and thought he was talking about, well, my behavior. But Paul's not talking about your behavior. He's talking about either you're a child of God or you're not. Do you see how we have fallen so short because Christians are living? Do you know who condemns you more than anybody? You. Absolutely. But when you see, when the truth exposes the lie of the enemy, man, stop. Give yourself a break. You are in the Spirit. You should walk around all day. Father, I thank you that I'm walking in the Spirit today. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. Father, I confess that behavior I just did. That was not me. Man, I, should, I just gave in to my flesh. But that's not me, and I confess it before you. And right now, Father, I thank you Amen. that your word tells me that you're faithful and, and just to forgive me for that sin and cleanse me from all the unrighteous of it because that sin has already been paid for. Do you know there's only one scripture in the Bible about a Christian confessing their sin. But there is tons and tons of scriptures about Christians confessing who they are in Christ. And yet we focus more on the one. Why? Because we need to get a revelation that we and walk in the power of the life of God that's in us. Jesus' work was more than enough. You can yield to the desires of your flesh and live in an unrighteous manner. See, we got a problem with, with receiving all this stuff because we're so performance-based. If I do good at work, then I'm promoted and, and I'm looked at and, and, and people think something of me. You know, if, if I'm a college graduate, I'm, I'm just my performance makes me feel better than somebody else. Yuck. That has nothing to do with the life of God. The person literally with nothing good in their life. I love Todd White. Man, the first time I heard him minister, it was at Rama. You know, it was a four and a half hour service. And he gave his testimony. And I mean, this guy's running around with dreadlocks. He had these shoes on where, you know, with the feet the toes, and he's running around and he's talking about all this stuff and he's talking about how, man, I was dishonorably discharged, I was a drug addict, I was this, I did this, I did that, and then God. And he went to this Rhema church and he sat in a Bible study every week with a pastor that taught on Ephesians chapter one for a year. I wonder how many men would come to that Bible study for a year? I'm telling you, it'd be awesome. 
And he, and he, I mean, he's there and he's ministering and he's looking at people, he's looking at all these ministers and he's going, you know, I'm not near as mature as all you guys, but I'm, I'm gonna get there. And then he started laying hands on people. It was hilarious. This guy starts laying hands on people. He ran up to me and, you know, he's just a little guy. I mean, he's kind of, he's jacked. I mean, he's nice, got a nice build. He's this little guy. He puts his hand on my chest and he's, he's like, and then he looks at me and he smiles and that, and, but back here, there was this, this Hispanic gentleman in a suit. And you could see, as Todd would get closer to him, he was, he was getting nervous. And, and he was looking at him, and he looked mad. And then I saw the guy, he put his hands in his pocket. And Todd went up to him and laid hands on him. And this guy was like, I mean, you could just tell. This guy's like, I am not receiving anything from this guy. And he's sitting there. And Todd let go and started going to somebody else. I mean, he's running all over. He's running on pews. He's running everywhere. He's an agile guy. And, and he comes back to this guy. And he looks at him. And he lays hands on him again. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling, Mark, were you there with me? Yeah, you were right next to me that night. And, and remember that guy? Todd let go of him. And the guy had his hands in his pocket. And he just fell sideways. Just <laughs> Bam! right? He's out. He's just out. The power of God. Oh, I'd love to meet that guy again because I bet his life was different when he got up. Aren't you glad your life's different? Aren't you glad you have the life of God in you tonight? Wow. Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin Ooh, aren't you glad your body's dead? But the Spirit is life. Now that's capitalized again, but it's talking about your human spirit. The body's dead. Do you know? See, do you, here, here would be some really aggressive ministry to people with sin habits. So here's this, here's this guy, man. He is a total... Total alcoholic, total drug addict, total porn addiction, just, just everything, can't, can't tell the truth. He is bound by every sin in the world, and we get together with him and go, listen, you're so glad you came today. You know, I have 100%, 100% of the people I minister to never have a problem with sin again after, after our first meeting. The guy would be like, wow. And then you go, we call this death therapy. And you pull out a 9mm, Glock 9mm. And you're going, so what we're going to do today is I'm just going to shoot you in the head. And you will never... Has there ever been a dead person that's ever had a problem with alcohol? No, drugs, no, nothing. Do you realize you're dead? The power of sin's been broken over your life. Now we look at that and go, well, that's, you know, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm facing. No, no, no. No, you don't understand what Jesus did. But keep looking, because once you do, because this, remember, this is God's word. Verse 9, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in you. And if Christ be in you, your body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is full of life. Why? Because of righteousness. See, when God declared you righteous, it opened yourself to be filled with the life of God. 
Why are you filled with the life of God? Why does that power work in you? Because you're righteous. And if you will get revelation knowledge of this, you'll walk in the life of God. This is huge. Verse 11, now we're going to get into healing. Now we're ready for this. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, how many? So you just all said he dwells in you, right? So if you have a revelation that his spirit is dwelling in you, look at what it says. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. This means make alive, heal, and make whole your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. I wonder if that would, I, I, see, this is why you walk in a revelation of that and tonight when you're driving home and when you lay down and go to bed and, and you know how this, you know, if you're facing a disease, man, that disease works 24-7. Well, guess what? You have a revelation now, tonight as you're laying in your bed with the same power. Now, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead tonight because you have a revelation of this, is going to heal, make whole your mortal bodies. Man, you talk about feeding your muscles after a workout. That's a great post-workout drink, right? Man, it'll heal, it'll heal your discs, it'll heal your organs, it'll strengthen your bones, everything. But you got to have a revelation of it. The power of God will manifest in your flesh when, this is huge, when you know the Spirit of God lives in you and that you have been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. Man, it makes me wish I was as dynamic as Steve Furtick right now because I could probably sing a song, but I'd freak all of you out and you'd run out of here screaming. Please don't, Pastor. I got to say this again. The Lord spoke this to me. The power of God will manifest in your flesh when you know that the Spirit of God lives in you and that you know that you have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Do you know that tonight? Say this with me. The mighty Holy Spirit, the mighty Holy Spirit lives, in me. lives in me. I know he lives in me. I know, I know, I know that I've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Therefore, right now, the Holy Spirit, with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is quickening my mortal body, healing me, making me whole in Jesus' name. Wow. Isn't that good news? Well, more to come.